Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Fat for Weight Loss Show. This is the Keto Baking Series and this is the third episode in this series. If you haven't already listened to the previous episodes, you can go back and listen to those. In the first episode, I talk all about... Uh, ooh, I can't even remember the different types of flowers you can use. <laughs> uh, in the second episode, I talk about the sweeteners that you can use, and this is the third episode. So if you haven't already listened to those, do go ahead and listen to them first and then come back to this podcast. But uh, in any case, this is uh, the Keto Baking Series. So I do a lot of Keto Baking, I do a lot of Keto Desserts, so I use a lot of binding agents. Now, I'm not sure if anyone knows what binding agents are and how they're best used, but uh, there is a few different types uh, and we're going to dig into them uh, over this podcast and then at the very end, I'll give you some example uses on which ones to use in certain cases. So, let's get started. An important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than 100 different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. Okay, so I'm super excited to begin talking about the different types of binding agents uh, that are available. So as I said before, I do a lot of keto desserts, keto breads, um, they're sort of my wheelhouse and you know these binding agents can make or break some of those recipes. And so you need to know which ones to use, which ones not to use, and which ones you have to use in moderation. Uh, so let's start off first with xanthan gum. Well, okay, no, let's let's go across all of the ones that I'm going to be talking about. So I'm going to be talking about xanthan gum, guar gum, gelatin, agar agar, and psyllium husk powder. They are probably the five main binding agents that are available. Um, if you do know of any others, that is fantastic. And if you do know how to use them, that's fantastic as well. But these are ones that I'm just going to cover today uh, because, you know, I, I think that, that amount of binding agents is, is really all you need to, to cover all of your bases. So let's start with xanthan gum. So xanthan gum, uh, the, the way it works is that it binds ingredients together and it can act as a substitute for gluten. So it's not a leveling agent. It's not a um, rising agent. It, it binds ingredients together. So it acts as gluten. So what gluten is, is gluten's a protein. And what it does is it helps stick wheat together. Um, so when you have higher uh, gluten flours, like we were talking about in the uh, keto baking series number two, um, if you wanted to make pizza and you get that really elastic sort of dough, that means it has more gluten in it. And you get that real you know, elasticity between the, between the flour. Uh, and, and so xanthan gum works in a similar way. Um, and it, you know, it enables bread to rise because it traps the air bubbles and allows them to grow. And xanthan gum can actually, uh, 
it, it, it substitutes gluten in the same sort of way. Now, xanthan gum is made by fermentation, but it does not uh, ferment itself. Uh, so it, it's made by fermentation, similar to a, a vanilla extract would be. So vanilla extract is made by fermentation of uh, vanilla in alcohol. Um, but many things are made by fermentation. Uh, and, and, you know, if you dig into that, you'll, you'll probably find a lot of things, you know, beer, wine, spirits, those types of things are all made by fermentation, alcohol in general. Um, uh, but in the case of xanthan gum, sugars are uh, digested by bacteria and those bacteria create xanthan gum. Um, so a small amount of xanthan gum can go a long way. So when you're making keto bread, uh, I generally only need you know, a half a teaspoon, if that, uh, to actually get that gel-like substance to make sure that the, the um, bread rises enough. Because otherwise, if you don't use xanthan gum, if you don't use any of these binding agents, your bread won't rise. The air escapes out of the bread and then becomes flat. So if you, do, if you have made uh, keto bread before and it's turned out really flat, um, you either haven't used enough of the binding agent or maybe uh, you know, the ingredients inside weren't expelling enough air. Two sort of scenarios that you can work with there. Um, but make sure you use a gluten-free version of xanthan gum because the, most of the xanthan gums that are created uh, are not gluten-free and they're made from wheat. So that's just one thing that you can uh, you know, try and find out. See if the xanthan gum is gluten-free and make sure that uh, you're getting a gluten-free version. So, uh, guar gum. Guar gum is the second binding agent that is available. Um, and guar gum absorbs water, very similar to xanthan gum, and it turns it into a gummy substance which holds ingredients together and can act as a substitute for gluten, similar to xanthan gum. Uh, now, guar gum is made from legumes called guar beans, and it's actually a type of polysaccharide. So, again, a small amount of guar gum can go a long way. And if you only need about half a teaspoon for most recipes, um, and in some breads you might need a full teaspoon, but really you will only need very small amounts. Now, guar gum can help with uh, digestive health because of the fiber in it. Um, it can help control blood sugar levels due to the soluble fiber found um, in guar gum, and it helps to slow the absorption rate of sugar. Uh, it can actually help lower your cholesterol levels as, as you know, the fiber in guar gum tends to bind to bile acids and eventually decreases your bile acids in circulation, uh, which, you know, helps lower your cholesterol um, and has been used. Now, this is one caveat. It has been used in weight maintenance. So similar to cognac root powder, guar gum has also been used in weight maintenance uh, and, and specifically it was used in a... Uh, supplement called Calban 3000, <laughs> which was deemed very dangerous because of the high amounts of guar gum that was used in that in that uh, supplement. So when you consume guar gum in excess, you uh, it it absorbs 10 to 20 times its weight in water. Um, so if you think about that, if you it's it would sort of like be <laughs> um, sort of uh, similar to Chinese torture, I guess. If you it consumes too much of it and it absorbs in your gut. Um, it, it can create blockages uh, and specifically for people, uh, it, it created blockages in the esophagus and the small intestine. So keep in mind that that was, um, that was when guar gum was not regulated and it was used in products, you know, 
out of control. It was, <laughs> it was just that people would take guar gum supplements um, and to to feel fuller, but you know it, it turned out just expanding in their stomach, and that's not a great thing. If you are using it in the half teaspoon, teaspoon sort of range, that's never going to happen um, because you're using it in a whole loaf of bread. You're slicing that bread up into 16 slices you know it's that's just not the case um but do be cautious of that because that is something that um, did happen in the past it's good to know what happens in the past so you can protect yourself in the future Uh, but that's the sort of the history behind guar gum now gelatin is also uh, considered a binding agent here in the keto baking space Um, gelatin is made by dehydrating animal parts including skin bones and tissue Um, But you don't taste it because it's tasteless and it's colorless. Uh, It acts like a sticky substance, like the gums that we were talking about before, Um, but it can also help hold ingredients together like gluten. Uh, But it's best used in cakes because what I find is that when you use gelatin, it gives, uh, for instance, I use gelatin in my uh, lemon coconut cake. Now, if anyone's ever tried that that recipe, that is a fantastic recipe and it goes bananas. (laughs) Um, But... Uh, I use gelatin as a binding agent in that recipe because what happens is that the outside of the cake sort of, it it almost creates like a sponge cake sort of feeling. Um, And so gelatin is great to work with if you're doing desserts, uh, especially things like cakes. Um, You know, but the health benefits behind gelatin, it improves your gut health and digestion, similar to collagen. uh, glycine is the you know the main uh, benefit behind gelatin, and that can uh, help repair the mucus lining in your stomach and help balance out digestive enzymes. Um, glycine is actually an inhibitory neurotransmitter, which acts in a similar way to antidepressants, only without all the nasty side effects. <laughs> um, and it can protect joints, improve skin, and in a uh, in a similar way to collagen, you know, help all of those benefits you know i think uh, a lot of people take gelatin to help improve the the plumpness of their skin and that's partly uh, collagen as well um so so gelatin is a hydrolyzed form of collagen so collagen's like the main building block and then gelatin's part of that um and i think carnivore or people who are consuming a lot of meat so people on a carnivore diet uh, should really consider t- taking gelatin as it neutralizes excessive methionine intake uh, which increases homocysteine levels. Um, so that's definitely one to look into. It's probably not something I'm going to cover in this podcast, but definitely something to look into. Um, but unlike collagen, uh, gelatin creates a gel substance that is useful in cooking. So if you were to, sh- to place gelatin, uh, sorry, collagen into a no-bake cheesecake, the cheesecake probably won't set, but if you use gelatin, it will. Um, now, for people who don't like the idea of consuming animal bones and dried up skin and those things, um, agar agar is a wonderful substitute and it's made from red algae uh, and it has a similar structure to guar gum. So it's also a polysaccharide. Um, it sets like gelatin, but in a much clearer way or in a much um, more solid way, I guess. And it's best used in harder types of jelly. So if you think of bubble tea, I don't know if you've ever heard of bubble tea, but here in Australia, it's something that's been around in Asia for a very long time. They brought it to Australia and it is it is just delicious, but it's obnoxiously sweet. So <laughs> probably don't have bubble tea if you're trying to stick to a ketogenic diet. Um, but, uh, you know, it. yeah, I mean, it's used in cooking throughout Asia and Russia. Particularly in Russia, it's used in a lot of jams. 
Um, and it is fantastic as a vegetarian substitute for gelatin, like I was talking about before. Now, agar agar has also been used in weight loss throughout Japan and recently in the US, but not to the extent of guaga. So <laughs> if, you, uh, if you, you do do some research, then uh, have a look into that as well. Um, so agar agar, very great substitute for a vegetarian or vegan type of gelatin because it is made from red algae. Now, uh, the last one, psyllium husk powder, it is actually made from seeds of a, a, a plant called Planto ovata, which mainly grows in India, but it's, you know, the, the, the powder or the husk from that seed. Uh, you know, it's, main ingre- it's the main ingredient in Metamucil. So if you have a look, if you turn the back, you know, if you turn the ingredients around on a jar of Metamucil, then you'll see that the, the main ingredient is psyllium husk. So uh, the main benefit behind psyllium husk is that it's mainly fiber. Um, and similar to xanthan gum and guar gum, it can absorb water and become thick and useful in baking bread rolls or other breads that require a high amount of rise. Uh, psyllium husk has uh, prebiotic effects, which help nourish the intestinal bacteria in your gut. Um, it helps with digestion, you know, because of the fiber, also the blood sugar levels due to the soluble fiber, slowing down the rate of absorption of sugar and the cholesterol lowering effect, as I spoke about before. Um, so those are the, the binding agents that I tend to use. Uh, I probably tend to use more xanthan gum because I find it just works better uh, and, and helps replace gluten in a much more similar way. But other people definitely uh, love to rely on gelatin. And gelatin's a great substitute for xanthan gum. Probably doesn't work so well in bread because of that um, cakey type substance it gets. But if you did want to make cakes, then gelatin is your main option there. So some example users, bread, I would definitely use xanthan gum or guar gum. If you're trying to make bread rolls, I would try psyllium husk powder. But keep in mind, if you're using psyllium husk powder and you expect something to rise really high, it, it actually needs um, a rising agent in there. So something like uh, baking powder mixed with eggs. So baking powder and eggs combined uh, create a rising effect, similar to um, uh, vinegar and also t- uh, some type of baking powder. So uh, you know how you used to make science volcanoes and you used to <laughs> put two substances together and one of them was vinegar? You can actually use that inside of um, baked goods to create rise. And if you're using psyllium husk, then that will trap the air inside and rise really high. So you can see uh, a lot of bread roll recipes will use psyllium husk powder. Now, if you're trying to make a cake, then I would use gelatin because it has a cake-like substance when it sets. Uh, if you're trying to make brownies or any baked goods, then either xanthan gum, guar gum, or gelatin will work just as well. Uh, if you're trying to make jelly, so if you're trying to thicken up jelly, then uh, egg yolks have uh, lectin in it, or lectin, I can't think of how to say it. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. But basically what that does is it helps thicken things. So either egg yolks, you can use gelatin or agar agar in that as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess... Sorry, I'm talking about custard. <laughs> okay, wait up, hang on. So uh, if you're if you're trying to make jelly, then either use gelatin or agar agar. Gelatin will have a much more jelly-like texture, whereas agar will uh, set... Um, harder. It will have more of like a, um, a lolly type effect, I guess. And then if you're trying to make custard, uh, at, I was trying to explain before about the egg yolks, <laughs> then you would use that in custard, not jelly. Um, or you could use guar gum or xanthan gum. Now, the thing is, is that guar gum, xanthan gum, 
uh, they don't need heat to be able to thicken liquids because they absorb water. Whereas gelatin and agar agar do need heat to be able to um, effectively bind ingredients together. Uh, so best used um, gelatin agar if you're going to heat something up or if you're going to uh, you know, not heat something up, then guar gum or xanthan gum will definitely work. So I hope this podcast has sort of answered some of your questions or maybe you have even more questions by the end of this podcast with regards to binding agents. Now, you can definitely make keto bread, keto baked goods without any of these binding agents or ingredients, but um, if you're trying to make them look and taste similar to non-keto uh, type foods, then you know definitely have a, have a think about which, um, uh, which of these binding agents you might use. So if you're trying to improve your health by using these binding agents and definitely going for something like gelatin would be your best option um, if you don't like the idea of uh, using gelatin then maybe agar agar might be a suitable substitute uh, xanthan gum and guar gum are fantastic um, but i probably wouldn't use them a lot uh, just because they're uh, you know they're probably they don't have the same health benefits as gelatin does so and again psyllium husk powder is a great fiber substitute um, but you know if you do have any questions please get in contact with me. You can find me over on my Instagram page, over on my website. You can, there's a contact form there. I'll put all the links to this in the show notes. Um, and, you know, if yeah, if you do have any questions about this or uh, I try and answer these questions in each of my recipe posts so that when, you know, someone can't find xanthan gum, then you can obviously substitute that with guar gum. Or if you can't find gelatin, then you might be able to substitute that with agar agar and vice versa. All of those different substitutions generally happen within a single recipe. Um, but if you do have any questions about which ones you should use if you're trying to create a recipe of your own, then definitely get in contact with me. I'm always available and I love talking about this stuff. So again, my name is Aaron. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Keep an eye out for the next keto baking series because I will be walking you through how to actually um, create a... Uh, keto recipe out of a non-keto recipe. Now, I've done this on YouTube before uh, and people had um, some some questions. So, it's definitely uh, I'm definitely going to be answering, uh, asking for your uh, questions before I start this podcast. Um, but it, I'm going to be uh, putting together a few different recipes, uh, probably two similar ones, but of uh, opposite spectrums. <laughs> and, um, and we can sort of walk you through how to create keto recipes from non-keto recipes. So again, thank you for listening. My name is Aaron, and I will be talking to you next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.